Well, good evening, church. What a great honor and blessing it is to be amongst you tonight. Before we get into the message, I really have to give a testimony, and I have to thank a few people. Uh, number one, I have to thank Pastor Jim Blaylock uh, for his faithfulness to God, to Jesus Christ, to this church, to myself, to our family, and his kindness. And then amongst all of you, all of your faithfulness and prayers over the many years that we've been coming here, thank you so much. It means so much to us. Somebody told me the other day that you, you are the first person on the back of the bulletin that we pray for every single week, and that means so much to my wife and I. Uh, we know that prayer is what moves mountains, and we've seen God do the impossible in our lives. And uh, I also want to thank Scott Harris. I know he's not here tonight. He's got other things going on, uh, but he really was one of the first members of this church that just got a hold of God's heart to, get, to have God get a hold of my heart when I was wayward in Israel, uh, not living right, I'll give you a quick testimony. I was saved at the age of five uh, with my own father there uh, down in Plantation, Florida, and uh, served kind of in the church a as a kid all the way up to about 15, and then kind of walked away from the Lord from 15 to 25 or so. Uh, and the Marine Corps was really kind of what got me straight, uh, back on the straight and narrow to some extent, um, but then kind of fell off again. And it was really through the prayers, the miraculous prayers of the men's meeting here on every Saturday to just pray for a kid all the way in Israel uh, who the dad was broken for his child. He just wanted to see his son back in uh, the love of the father's arms. And uh, through God just working miracle after miracle, putting missionary, putting pastor, putting unique circumstances and people in my life to get me back to where he knew I was supposed to be in the center of God's will. Uh, I just can't thank Scott and the men of this church enough for praying for me on Saturday uh, all these many years. And I came here several years ago to give a testimony. I think it was a July 4th service and just kind of gave a little bit of that. Um, but my wife and I are so thankful for all of you that pray and that the names, not just mine, but it's all the military here. Uh, we all need prayer. And uh, Matthew 17 verse 20 says and Jesus said unto them because of your unbelief for verily I say unto you if ye have faith as a grain of mustard seed ye shall say unto this mountain remove hence to yonder place and it shall remove and nothing shall be impossible to you and that was really that faith uh, of the people who pray that can move mountains so be encouraged in that what we've been doing the last several years since we've been here we were stationed in San Diego for I was there for actually eight years uh, met my wife there through uh, one of my best friends who was also a Marine, and then we ended up getting married, and now we've had two kids, uh, praise the Lord. And Michael, by the way, huge blessing, he just got saved and baptized uh, about two weeks ago, two or three weeks ago, so praise the Lord for that. Uh, it's just such a blessing to watch a four-year-old. You know, God says that you just need to have childlike faith. Just come unto him with childlike faith, and he shall save you. Uh, and it's such a blessing to watch my own son pray his own prayer at the age of four, and for me to be able to have the distinct honor and pleasure and privilege to baptize him myself, uh, it was so beautiful and wonderful, and he, he just has the joy of the Lord on his face all the time. He wants to tell everybody he knows that he got saved and baptized, and you know, never lose heart in that even a four-year-old can trust Christ. I talk to so many hardened people in, on this planet, military or whoever, and they can't understand the grace of God. It's so simple. Uh, Paul even talks about why do you remove the simplicity of Christ uh, in his epistles. And so be encouraged in that. 
We've been in San Diego for eight years, and then we were serving at Lighthouse Baptist Church. Before that, we were at Coastline Baptist Church, where many of you have sent your sons and daughters to go to college, which is the West Coast Baptist College. Steve Chapel runs Coastline uh, Baptist Church, and then Paul Chapel runs Lancaster Baptist Church about three hours north. We were at his brother's church uh, in Oceanside, San Diego, and then through unique orders, God had moved us down to uh, San Diego, downtown kind of area, uh, Coronado area, and then I, 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 like a good Christian should do, hey, text your pastor, hey, where should I be at? Where should I be going to church? I don't know this area. Uh, what should I do? And let that be an encouragement to any of you. Anytime God moves you through unique circumstances, hey, just reach back to somebody that you know uh, that's maybe a little bit ahead of you and just say, hey, where should I be at? Uh, what does the will of God look like for my life now? And that's what I did. I, I asked him, I said, where should I be at? And uh, he said, Pastor Fisher's church, no doubt about it. David Jeremiah is over there too, no doubt about it. Good man as well, doing great things for God. Um, but at Pastor Fisher's church is where I actually got a huge chance to serve and to worship God, and to really, God, what God did for me there was he unpacked the curtains, and he, he let me see the behind the scenes of all the ministries that go on that many of you serve in uniquely, and we were able to have vibrant street preaching ministries over there. Um, somebody told me to see Ned. I don't know if Ned's here, but I would like to still see him at some point just to talk about unique uh, similarities between missions like that, where you have street preaching ministries and nursing home ministries, and singing in choir, and all of those things that we get to do. We get to do those things. That's, that's really the pleasure of serving in the will of God. The greatest treasure is to know it, but the greatest pleasure is to do it. Um, and God definitely let me do his will there at uh, Lighthouse Baptist Church. And I want you to pray for Pastor Fisher the next time that you're praying for either me or somebody. Would you just pray for Pastor Doug Fisher Pastor Blaylock and Pastor Fisher knew each other through uh, college when they were at House Anderson, um, and Pastor Fisher loved me like his own son, much like Pastor Blaylock has done for me and, and my own father, and he let me do any ministry that I, that I wanted to do. He even put me in his college for free. Uh, it, was, it was so awesome to see the heart of this man, but the reason why I want you to pray for him is because he recently, about a year or two ago, I think, he underwent a quadruple bypass surgery and then had a stroke, um, and he's got some seizures and some other uh, very difficult health issues and concerns. Um, that I, I, that man is always on my heart, and uh, he's got a huge family, eight children. Wife was in the military as well. He was in the Marine Corps, and uh, what they've done for me is really what you see here tonight through uh, Pastor Blaylock and him and, and other members, just feeding into a, a young man seeing that somebody wants to serve God with all their heart, their life, their mind, their soul, and their body. And then we moved on to Japan. We prayed for those orders. We asked the Lord to, to send us there because we knew that we were going to get orders somewhere, and we wanted a, a chance to pick. And we said, Lord, if this be your will, you know, let it happen. And he opened the doors wide open right prior to COVID. When we get to Japan, things were shutting down, and it was really, really difficult over there to uh, really get into church or anything like that, and uh, uniquely, you, you all know Don Sisk. He comes here every um, mission conference in October, and there's a young man there named Pastor Brandon Knight, and he was leading the church there. He was stuck in the United States at the time of COVID when we got there, but we were able to plug ourselves in there. He actually went to uh, West Coast Baptist College and learned under Don Sisk, and you all know Don Sisk's testimony. He started that work up in uh, Senri Newtown Baptist Church in Osaka 
Now, we didn't get to go to that church, but Pastor Agawa is still there preaching, and we have a man named Pastor, uh, I think it's Higashima or Higayama, who comes down every Sunday night after our services, and he preaches, and he was one of Pastor Ogawa's and Don Sisk's um, disciples many, many years ago. And so the effects of that ministry of that man from the 1950s, 60s, 70s are still being seen in the fruit that is being sown today. And it was such a blessing to be able to get to watch that ministry kind of regrow itself because COVID had shut so much down. And in Japan, you know, they're very fearful of a lot. Uh, number one, they don't have Jesus, so they're going to stay in constant fear. Um, but we had to build the church back up from ground zero. And the way that we did that was asking the Lord to revive us in our own hearts. I prayed Psalms 51, 12, Lord, renew unto me the joy of thy salvation. So many times for months on end for us to just be able to see the church grow. I think when we got there, it was about five or ten people, and we've seen it grow now to, I think our largest day was 88, and uh, we, had, we started with just so, so little. But there's 15,000 people on that base in Iwakuni, Japan. It's just right south of Hiroshima, um, and there's a mix of Navy and Marine Corps. I'm specifically in the aviation logistics background, dealing with the F-35 and some of that. I, I know many people here work in Pratt Whitney and Lockheed Martin and things like that, so that'll be familiar to you. But uh, we just tried to serve as much as we could there and do God's will wherever we went. And that was, whether that was passing out a track to the English or the Japanese, uh, the language is very difficult, but Google Translate works well. It works very good, actually. You can have a full-on conversation with somebody with the technology you have on your phone. Um, and we saw scores of people. I, I want to read you a verse. If you'll turn to Romans chapter 16 quickly, I want you all to see this, this tremendous blessing. Romans chapter 16. It would take me, it really would take me all night uh, to sit here and tell you. I wish I had a PowerPoint or something, pictures, um, to show you what God did there. But it would take me all night to tell you of all the glory that God did and got while he was there. And all the people that got saved, baptized, and discipled. Romans chapter 16, verses 1 through 5 says, I commend unto you, Phoebe, our sister, which is a servant of the church, which is at Sancria, that ye receive her in the Lord as become a saint's. And that ye assist her in whatsoever business she hath need of you. For she hath been a succor of many and of myself also. Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my helpers in Christ Jesus, who have for my life laid down their own necks. Unto whom not only I give thanks, but also the churches of the Gentiles. Likewise, greet the church that is in their house. Salute my well-beloved Apennitus, who is the firstfruits of Achaia, unto Christ. Greet all of these. And now I read you this because I told you the story of San Diego and Lighthouse Baptist Church and then also here in Iwakuni, Japan and Faith Baptist Church over there and the works that God did, not we, just he's working through us as we submit to him. And you see Colton back there. Colton, thank you so much for being here. Hika, we're praying for you. We love you both. And I point that out to you because me, him, and anyone else that comes from one of these two churches in San Diego, uh, Lighthouse Baptist Church or Faith Baptist Church from Iwakuni, and we recommend them and we refer them unto you, or we were referred unto you all, and you receive us, or you receive them, this is that verse. And I, I just love how God paints it picture clear to exhort the church, salute the church, and just bless it. And that's what God's done for us, and I thank you for receiving us tonight. Um, 
years ago when I came here, I told you that I was your missionary to the Marine Corps, uh, and I, I've tried to make good on my word on that. Uh, Deb and I, we really have tried to serve in any capacity wherever God sends us, and we're looking forward to what God's going to do through us and in us and at the Pentagon through these other lives. Uh, we, we love to see God save people. We love to see God baptize them, and then discipleship. So oftentimes, we can get discouraged by when somebody gets saved, and then maybe they don't get right in church, or maybe uh, something happens to them, or, or they move, or whatever the case may be. But just let this be a reminder that discipleship amongst the saints is just so as important as it is as witnessing to them, because that's where we grow. That's where we get rooted. That's where we get grounded. Um, and so where is God taking us? God has, through the mentorship and discipleship of many of you and, and Pastor Blaylock, even the recommendation, um, the military gave me multiple degrees for free. Um, I did not necessarily go out purposely seeking uh, my own glory or any of that, um, but I knew that if the, if the Marine Corps was going to pay for me to get a degree, why not use that? Uh, you, you all pay taxes, and that partly goes towards us being good stewards of that and you know, putting that to good use. So I really wanted to say, hey, you know, if God's going to let me go to Bible college, then by all means, let's do it. And so, I, yes, I did just graduate with a Master's of Christian Ministry from Luther Rice, and I'm working on a second Master's now from Liberty University and a Master's of Divinity, which would open up potential doors to uh, move into the, one of the military services chaplaincy. And that's possibly what we're looking at. We don't know if that's God's will or not, but we're going we're gonna to plan and we're going to do our best uh, to be faithful wherever God sends us. And if nothing else, so oftentimes when I meet a chaplain in the military, um, they'll, they'll ask me if I'm going into the chaplaincy or, or, or not. And a, a lot of the times I'll tell them that I'm the proactive chaplain. They're the reactive because they get them after they've already been broken. I have to try to reach them before they can get to the chaplain. Um, but I will utilize the chaplains uh, every once in a while uh, when, when something's beyond my scope and my capability. Um, Second Peter uh, two, cha uh, chapter 1 tells us over and over to be diligent, and that's really what we've sought to do, and just to give him glory and exalt him in everything that we've ever done. Um, so that's where God's taken us, uh, where we're at currently, and then where, uh, where God is leading us into the future. Uh, we're going to get into the text here, uh, but I'd like to pray before we do that. So if you bow your heads with me, dear Heavenly Father, thank you, God, for such an opportunity as this. Lord, would you remove me from the equation? Would you exalt and magnify yourself and your son, Jesus Christ? Thank you for the free gift of salvation. I pray that every person here would be blessed tonight by your word. In Jesus' name, amen. And so the, the title of this message tonight is The Few, the Proud, the Humble. That is a play on the Marine Corps motto, The Few, the Proud, the Marines. That is the, that is the second motto of the United States Marine Corps. The very first motto was Semper Fidelis. It was generated in the 1800s, uh, but I think it goes all the way back to the 1300s or so. And Semper Fidelis, I've heard that term specifically preached from this pulpit on many occasions, and it just simply means always faithful. And it's the Marine Corps definition to really be faithful to your fellow Marine, your fellow brother who you went to boot camp with, who you guys share a common bond. I have a saying in the Marine Corps that says the bond of human relationships is built through shared suffering. Pastor Blaylock preached for a quick short time this morning on Psalms 107 and it just made me think of when God melts the soul. And God has done some melting of my soul all my life 
through the different situations that he's put me through, that refiner's fire, you know, that's where you get to the next place. That's where you get to the next level with God. Um, and in Matthew 7, chapter 13, Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 through 14, it says, Narrow is the way that leadeth to life, and few there are that find it. The Lord operates off of your level of faith and obedience to him and his will. So with the few, the proud, the Marines, or the humble, here we see that there is this concept that Jesus Christ, when he was witnessing here on his earthly ministry, he took 12. He took 12 disciples. That's just a few. A few is really three, but 12 is also a small number. And what I recognized in my time in, in Japan was so often we would have a, gr a large group at my house of gathering people. And there'd be maybe 10, 20 Marines, sailors come over, and we'd be get to witness to them. And uh, my wife would cook a dinner for them, whatever the case may be. And we'd get to witness to all these people. But then after a certain amount of hours went by, or Sunday night rolls around, or Wednesday night, there was just a few of them left. And it really just put on my heart, you know, what is the driving factor between our faithfulness to God in the military, in our jobs, in our school, in our workplace, whatever it is, wherever God's put us, what is the driving factor to keeping us in fellowship with God? And then what is the driving factor keeping us away from it? And for some reason, we, we just kept talking about, you know, there's just a few of us, there's just a few of us, there's just a few faithful of us. And then, of course, the Marine Corps motto comes up, like you memorize Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. You, you memorize the few, the proud, the Marines, the Semper Fidelis, and whatever else uh, the Marine Corps kind of throws your way. And we just thought that pride was the number one driving factor of things, of sin, that turns people away from God. And so I want you to see quickly, uh, we're going to do a quick character study on seven, seven different individuals. And I want you to turn with me in Genesis chapter 50, 20. Genesis chapter 50, verse 20. And you're all going to know many of these stories. So I'm not going to go into great depth with these. But Genesis chapter 50 says, Genesis chapter 50 verse 20 says, But as for you, ye thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good, to bring to pass, as it is this day, to save much people alive. And this is the story of Joseph. He was taken away from his family, enslaved, and then later he became exalted. But why? To save many people. He is a type of Christ we know that God set up in Genesis in the very beginning. And you think about Joseph's life. He had great godly parents. He, he was one of the patriarchs of the faith. From the very beginning, God was using him. And that's he was one of the few that the Lord brought to my mind to speak to you about tonight. And through all his troubles, as he mentioned this morning, all his trials, that soul melting, I can think of when, they, when, when Joseph was in that um, pit, by himself, falsely accused. I've been falsely accused. I'm sure some of you have been falsely accused too, and it never feels good. Um, but when you see God working, and you stay humble through it, and you stay calling on the name of the Lord through it, he will deliver you. He is faithful. He's done that in my life. I trust and hope that he's done that in your life so much as you submit to him. Now turn to Daniel chapter 1, verses number 8. And while you're turning there, I'll just make a quick comment on 
we have many different leadership traits and principles. We have something called the leadership, uh, 14 leadership traits, 11 leadership principles in the Marine Corps. We've got honor, courage, and commitment. Um, all of those can be found in the Bible. And I try to use that to my advantage when speaking to some of these young, young service members, Marine sailors, um, and just show them, like, hey, look, you know, why do you think we have all these rules and regulations? Where do you think we get these good morals from? I mean, America was founded. Uh, if you go all the way back to the, May, the Mayflower, you know, they, they talked about it being unto the advancement of the Christian faith. And so you'll see that in our Christian history. And in Daniel chapter 1, verse 8, it says, But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. And God, right around this time, he imbued him with special wisdom, knowledge, and understanding, quite the same way that God imbued King Solomon when he asked for it. My wife always prays that prayer. She says, Lord, would you give me wisdom, knowledge, and understanding? And it's, it's something that we should all take away, is that we never know everything. Um, and we're not, we're not necessarily trying to, because we have the God that knows everything. And um, all we have to do is be faithful. And that's what Daniel did. He was faithful. He decided not to sin. Proverbs 3, 7 says, depart from evil. Fear God. Be not wise in thine own conceit. So we see that there is an example in Joseph and in Daniel. And surely Daniel had his soul melting too. Most definitely when he was quite literally in the fire and then in the, in the lion's pit. But he never lost faith. And they even made a law against him that he could not pray. I mean, think about that. We may be entering those days at some, at some point in the future. But how much more should we pray then? And then turn to Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. Many of this, or many of you, this might be your actual life verse. I know many people, this is their life verse. Galatians 2, chapter 20, in the New Testament, Paul writes unto us, And Galatians 2.20 says, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. You know, Paul, he was a very religious person. He thought that he knew God. He thought that he was chasing after the right God, but he became proud in his own ways as a, as a religious person. You know, it says, knowledge puffeth up. And I might have the title Master Sergeant, I might have a master's degree, but I don't, I don't, I actually know less. I feel like I know less because God has shown me so much that now I feel like I know less, but it just makes me want to know him more. That's all. I just want to know him more. I don't want to personally know more. If I, if, if I know anything, I just want to know God. That's all, that's all I've ever been trying to do. And God gives these titles away and, and whatnot. I mean, he promotes, he, he set it down and he set it up. So I know that all I'm supposed to do is be faithful in what he's called me to do, and then he'll lift me up, but not for my glory, but for his glory, and maybe for a potential benefit or blessing that we can get. Maybe, maybe that extra rank or that position will give you a little bit, an, an extra meal or a, a better life for your family or whatever it is, but we've got to be faithful in order to get God's blessing. If we're not faithful and we're living in sin, God's not going to bless that. He's not going to bless us, and so we need to remember that. But that's the few. Now let's look at the proud. Turn to Proverbs chapter 16 with, you, with me, will you? 
when, I'm when I was studying this, what I found was that pride was always the number one sin. It was the first sin, and it's the sin that leads to all other sins. I never thought of, of how pride leads to all other sins until I studied this. This is a great blessing for me. I'm, I'm not preaching to you, I'm preaching to myself tonight. Proverbs chapter 16, verse number 1 and verse 18 says, These six things doth the Lord hate, yea, seven are an abomination unto him. A proud look, and then drop down to chapter number 18, or verse number 18, excuse me. And it says, Pride goeth before destruction, and an haughty spirit before a fall. And then if you turn over to Proverbs chapter 29 and verse 23, you'll see also what pride does. Proverbs 29, verse 23. And Proverbs 29, verse 23 says, A man's pride shall bring him low, but honor shall uphold the humble in spirit. And when you define that word pride, it quite literally just means to be haughty, to exalt oneself, to seethe, to be rebellious in nature, to be arrogant, to be mean, to be angry. And we know that all sin comes from pride. And then 1 John 2, verse 16 says, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, it is not of the Father, but it is of the world. Even in Isaiah chapter 14, verse 14, it says, And Satan said he will make himself like the Most High. He wanted to be like the Most High. And when I studied this out, that word Most High, that's El Eliel in the Hebrew, and that was the very first time that Moses and Abraham ascribed that uh, title to God, the Most High. But why was that? It was probably because, just like how when I was in Japan, what they have over there is they have their idols everywhere. Many of you that have traveled around the world, around the globe, and seen different things, you'll go to some of these different cultures, and they actually still worship statues and stones and graven images and idols. But in America, it's not really so much that way. I mean, you might see some other religious temple somewhere, but our idolatry is maybe it's too much time on our phone. Maybe it's too much time away from our family. Maybe it's some secret sin that only God knows, only you and God. And whatever it is that, that God is working on in your life, it always stems from pride because it's always about yourself. Pride looks at yourself. Being humble becomes reliant on God to help you, to help you get through whatever struggle it is in your life, whether that be a, a melting of the soul, whether it be a trial, whether it be a, a temptation, a tribulation. There's any number of things. Look at um, also Jonah. I want to talk about Jonah for a quick second. We're going to look at Jonah, Saul and David, and then Peter, and then we'll close here shortly. In Jonah chapter 1, he was a prophet. Jonah chapter 1, verses 2 and 3. We're going to look at three people that were proud. Jonah chapter 1, verse 2 and 3. And it says, Arise, Go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. I mean, we see a great example here that Jonah was fleeing from the presence of the Lord. Why would you ever flee from the presence of the Lord? I mean, I know why. You, you know why. He was, God had commanded him to go to Nineveh, the very same people that were crucifying his people. 
And he was, he was nervous about that, but he didn't want to go. But I mean, if God is on our side, who could be against us? We know we have the Spirit of God with us. We know we have the presence of the Lord. So how much more should we be encouraged in the fact that God is with us? I'm not scared going to the Pentagon. I know there's going to be some, some tough conversations there, but we'll see what God does, and I'm going to trust him. And even when I'm having that tough conversation, in the back of my mind's eye, I'm going to be praying, Lord, help me. Help me say the right thing at the right time to the right people. Help me to be a blessing and not a discouragement to somebody. <laughs> you know, Jonah, seemingly in the will of God, he, he tried to get out of it and then ended up in much trouble. And, you know, Proverbs tells us that the way of the transgressor is hard. The way of the transgressor is hard. My life was very hard uh, when, I, when I chose to live in sin and ran from the presence of God. Don't, don't run from God. Just, just run to him. It's, it's like the text we read tonight. It says, draw nigh unto God, and he will draw nigh unto you. And I've seen that time and time again. You just have to be faithful and follow God. Look at uh, Saul and David. Think about that. Saul, he wanted to exalt himself over time and time again, but David, he didn't ask to be exalted. And even David committed an even greater sin than Saul. But the key here between Saul and David was that Saul was humble enough to admit that he made a mistake instantaneously and repented of his sin. He asked the Lord to forgive him, and the Lord still punished him great, greatly for that, and the effects were, were still felt for, for years throughout the, the kingdom. But Saul, he, he chose pride. He wanted to be proud, and David, he was humble. So we should live like David, the man after God's own heart. I mean, imagine if God said to you, well, I'm done with you. I want a man after God's own heart. I want a woman after God's own heart. That's what God said to Saul. And he told him that he was going to rip the kingdom from him. And then he anointed David. And then Saul just continued on down a, a downward spiral for the rest of his life until, until he lost his life at the very end, you know, chasing after God's anointed because he was so upset because he couldn't, he couldn't be humble. He was too pride. He was too proudful. And then look at, uh, lastly, Luke chapter 22, verses 60 to 62. And if you turn there with me shortly. I love Peter. Um, I think Peter's a great example of a man on fire for God. But before he became that man on fire for God and wrote the, the two great books that we have and all the rest of the testimonies that we have from uh, Luke written in Acts and the rest of the testimonies, he made a great mistake, such as some of us. I mean, we're all sinners at one point in our life. If you're saved, you're a saint. But in Luke chapter 22, verse 60 to 62, it says, And Peter said, Man, I know not what thou sayest. And immediately while he yet spake, the cock crew. And the Lord turned and looked upon Peter. And Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he had said unto him, before the cock crow, thou shalt deny me thrice. And Peter went out and wept bitterly. We see that Peter denied the Lord. But in the end, what Jesus says to him later on in the, in the end of the Gospels, he says that, Peter, do you love me? And he says that to him three times. And Peter says, of course, Lord, I love you. You know I do, right? We, we love the Lord. But have we sinned against him? Probably, most definitely, we, we all have to say at one point we have sinned against him. Nobody in here uh, is perfect. We're all striving for perfection, no doubt about it. But then the Lord Jesus says, feed my sheep then. He says to feed my sheep. That's, that's what I'm trying to do. I believe that that's what you're trying to do. 
I want to just encourage you to continue to feed God's sheep. You are all God's. We're all God's sheep. Discipleship is not, um, I only want to disciple this one person because I like that person. No, it's, we have to disciple everybody. Um, just whenever the Lord is talking to you, hey, just, just listen to him and just respond to him in obedience every single time. And lastly, we'll look at what humility is, the humble. And humility is free of pride. It's selfless. It's sorrowful. It's, it's submission. It, it means to be lowly, unworthy, meek. And that's something we teach in the military. We do teach that in the Marine Corps. We teach servant leadership um, because once, once you've, you've never made it, you've never, ever, ever, ever made it. Uh, even, even, in, even in Christendom, you've never personally made it um, because we all still have work to do until Christ comes again. That's just the nature of, of this life. The, the Lord Jesus even said, Father, take them, take them not from this world, but keep them from the evil one. And so we see an example in Jesus Christ in, we're going to turn to it, well, you don't have to turn to them, but I'm just going to read these verses for you. And it, it's in 1 Peter uh, chapter 5, verse 6. It says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. We know that Christ is our example of pure humility and how we're supposed to be. And I could think of no better example. I could have picked any number of uh, different apostles and prophets in God's word, but Christ is really the perfect example of how to be humble and how to have humility. And in Matthew chapter 5, verse 5, it says, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Matthew eleven twenty nine says, Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. That's our Lord Jesus speaking. That's, that's our commander-in-chief. That's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to do Matthew chapter 11, verse 29. Take his yoke, put it on you, Learn of him, for he is meek, so we should be meek. He is lowly in heart. We need to be lowly in heart. This is a great reminder unto myself because so oftentimes in the Marine Corps, we can think like we've done something important. Even Ronald Reagan said that. He said that the Marines wake up and they don't have to think if they've accomplished anything. They, they just know that, that they're great. But I don't want to think that I'm great at the end of the day because I know that pride goes before a fall. I know the Lord hates that. So I want to have humility, and I, I, I hope that you all take that away from here tonight, that, we're all, that we all be a little bit more uh, humble. Um, and so finally, we see that God has called a few. He's called, you know, he's had some individuals that have been proud, and then we know that we have to have humility ultimately at the end of the day if we're going to do anything great for God. Um, but... That's the message for tonight. I love you all. Thank you for letting me come and, and speak to you for just a few short moments. Uh, if you all bow your head for just a few, few minutes, and we'll have Pastor Blaylock come. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for this time, Lord. Thank you for this great opportunity, Lord, to, to witness and to preach your word. Lord, I pray that you were mightily exalted and magnified tonight, Lord, in everything that was said and done. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. On behalf of everyone at Beacon Baptist Church, we thank you for joining us today. Our prayer is that your heart and life has been impacted through the biblical truths of this message. If you have questions or would like more information, please contact us through our website at beaconbaptistchurch.org. That's beaconbaptistchurch.org. May the Lord bless you.